What's up, brother? And welcome to the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and men's lifestyle fulfillment coach. I've dedicated my life to helping men who feel like they're just not living up to their full potential to level up and become the king of their kingdoms. So whether you've been feeling stuck or numb or extremely angry with not living up to your greatest potential in any area of your life, then I'll be in your ears every week dropping some truly transformative episodes to help you become a man that you're proud to be. I'm glad you're here. Let's get to it. All right, so check it out. If you were a listener of last week's podcast, I talked a lot about procrastination. Uh, My name is Johnny King, and if this is your first time listening, this is the Becoming Kings podcast where we talk about all things uh, men's mental health, if you will, helping men to become the kings of their kingdoms. And uh, one of those areas is learning to reign over your day-to-day tasks, your time management, your ability to get stuff done. Now, it's interesting. I have uh, a couple different forms that men can um, put information into if they want to get some feedback from me, um, whether it be on my website or social media or through my you know, podcast or my book funnel. And a bunch of these guys, um, more commonly than not, talk about they know what to do, but they're not doing what they know. Uh, they're talking about um, feeling lost at times as well. Um, so you have some guys who like are clear what needs to be done. Then you have other guys who are very unclear. Um, guys that just struggle with creating consistency. Consistency of results, consistency of uh, action, consistency of forward momentum. And so, as I mentioned last week on the previous podcast, I talked a lot about this book called The War of Art that I've been rereading again. Uh, I've read it multiple times, and uh, this time, I not only have it on Audible, I also have it on uh, on my iPad. And so my evening routine has been to get into bed, turn off all the lights, put on my headphones, and listen to the book while I'm following along, uh, reading it in front of me on my iPad, which to me, it just helps me retain. The more I can hear it, see it, read it, uh, highlight it, the more I can uh, keep it with me. And so it's been very, very uh, relevant for what I've been experiencing in my life lately. And so Stephen Pressfield and, and Sean Coyne, who are the, the authors of The War of Art, you know, they talk a lot about this kind of unseen <laughs> force, if you will, called resistance. Okay. And they go on to explain that resistance. And I'm going to read a bunch of different things that I've highlighted from the books. I think it's just, it's just so powerful. Um, they go on to say, resistance cannot be seen, touched, heard, or smelled, but it can be felt. We experience it as an enemy field 
I'm sorry, geez, enemy, an energy field radiating from a work in the potential. It's a repelling force. It's negative. Its aim is to shove us away, distract us, prevent us from doing our work. What's hard is sitting down to write. And what keeps us from sitting down is resistance. So most of us have two lives. It's the life we live and the unlived life within us. And between the two stands resistance. Uh, he gets funny at times. He says, uh, resistance is the most toxic force on the planet. It is the root of more unhappiness than poverty, disease, and erectile dysfunction. <laughs> is that what it takes though? Do we have to stare death in the face to make us stand up and confront resistance? Does resistance have to cripple and disfigure our lives before we wake up to its existence? How many of us have become drunks and drug addicts, developed tumors and neuroses, succumbed to painkillers, gossip, and compulsive cell phone use simply because we don't do that thing that our hearts, our inner genius is calling us to do? Resistance defeats us. If tomorrow morning, by some stroke of magic, every dazed and benign soul woke up with the power to take the first step towards pursuing his or her dreams, every shrink in the directory would be out of business. <laughs> Prisons would stand empty. The alcohol and tobacco industries would collapse, along with the junk food, cosmic surgery, and infotainment businesses not to mention pharmaceutical companies, hospitals, and the medical profession from top to bottom. Domestic abuse would become extinct, as would addiction, obesity, migraine headaches, road rage, and dandruff. So look in your own heart. Unless I'm crazy, right now a still small voice is piping up, telling you as it has 10,000 times that the calling that is yours and yours alone. You know it. No one has to tell you. And unless I'm crazy, you're no longer taking action on it than you were yesterday or will be tomorrow. You think resistance isn't real? Resistance will bury you. You know, Hitler actually wanted to be an artist. At 18, he took his inheritance, 700 Kronen, and moved to Vienna to live and study. He applied to the Academy of Fine Arts and later to the School of Architecture. So, have you ever seen one of his paintings? Yeah, neither have I. Resistance beat him. Call it overstatement, but I'll say it anyways. It was easier for Hitler to start World War II than it was for him to face a blank square of canvas. Damn, some of those things really, uh, I don't know, they resonate, they're powerful for me. Uh, those are some of the things that I've highlighted out of the, the War of Art. I've got several others. But it is interesting to think that if we just all, like I said, by a stroke of magic, we all just began working on our dreams, moving towards accomplishing our dreams. And when I say our dreams, I also mean that as in like, you know, as I refer to becoming kings of our kingdoms, 
our kingdoms a lot of times are our our potential, our dreams. I'm not talking about the kingdoms that reign over anyone else. It's just our own lives. And for us to become kings of our, you know, <laughs> tangible, real dreams having come a reality, we have to overcome resistance over and over and over. And so as I've been going to bed, uh, kind of highly aware of this whole conversation around resistance, I've also then woken up <laughs> very aware of that. And uh, the very first feeling I often feel in the morning is resistance, like a calling of, am I going to succumb to this or am I going to, you know, overcome it? Meaning, am I going to get my ass out of bed and actually turn off my alarm or am I going to hit the snooze or uh, reset my alarm, you know? And so there are days where I certainly wake up and be like, oh my God, I'm exhausted. I need another hour. But if I don't feel like I need another hour or two, well, and quite frankly, even if I do sometimes, this past week I've been a lot more disciplined, especially with you know my phone being across my room, so I have to get myself up and walk out of the bed you know, and over to my, my phone to turn off the alarm. And while that process is happening, which is only lasting a couple of seconds, I'm still awake enough to consider, you know, am I going to succumb to, to resistance and get back in bed or am I going to win? And so there's multiple instances uh, this past week. I was on a little road trip where I was like, oh man, I'm starving. I'm at a uh, Chipotle or a Qdoba. I see those tortilla chips and I, could, I can always just pound tortilla chips and salsa and guac like all day every day but I know right now it's not something that I want to to eat a lot of those fried chips are not healthy right even though they're delicious and so I I stood there as she's taking my order for a bowl and I'm like man do I want some and I was like no I guarantee you after I eat my you know burrito bowl I'll be more than satisfied, and I will not need those chips. I said, she's like, chips? I was like, no, thank you. You know, fountain drink? No, thank you, just water. And then I gave myself a little pat on the back for overcoming resistance in that moment. And so there's been many more moments that I've just been acutely aware of winning or succumbing to how resistance shows up in my life. So, as he says uh, in another spot in his book, in other words, any act that rejects immediate gratification in favor of long-term growth, health, or integrity. Or, expressed another way, any act that derives from our higher nature instead of our lower any of these will elicit resistance. And so, you know, they, they get into, in the book, just any time we are working on something that is truly meaningful, <laughs> uh, it's going to elicit resistance, right? And so I've been looking like, man, 
resistance shows up all day, every day. No wonder it's very, very challenging to not succumb to distractions on our phone, uh, phone calls, text messages, emails, you know, all the, the various other things. And so for me personally, that's why I've turned off all notifications. I rarely pick up the phone unless I know someone who's calling. I don't have notifications for emails, text messages, anything. And I've had people question me like, oh, you know, what are you trying to hide? Are you, are you uh, worried that someone's going to know what you're up to? I'm like, please. <laughs> this is not about you. This is all about me attempting to overcome resistance and actually, you know, find myself on my deathbed in the future, hopefully long, long uh, into the future from now, being able to look back at my life and feel like I actually, you know, that I could be proud of what I actually accomplished rather than looking back on a life that was wasted. So, as he talks about in the book, the following list, (laughs) he calls resistance greatest hits, the following list in no particular order of these activities that most commonly elicit resistance are, and there's 11. Number one is the pursuit of any calling in writing, painting, music, film, dance, or any creative art however marginal or unconventional. Number two, the launching of any entrepreneurial venture or enterprise, for profit or otherwise. Ain't that the the truth? Any diet or health (laughs) regimen. Any program of spiritual advancement. That's number four. Number five, any activity whose aim is tighter abdominals. (laughs) I think that's funny, but it's very true. Six, Any course or program designed to overcome an unwholesome habit or addiction. You know, maybe you have just a bad habit, something you want to break. Number seven, education of every kind. Number eight, any act of political, moral, or ethical courage, including the decision to change for the better some unworthy pattern of thought or conduct in ourselves. Uh, I'll get to the last three, but this is why I'm taking time to record this podcast. I just feel like any time that we as human beings, man or woman, look to make something better, to improve, to educate ourselves, to advance ourselves, there's going to be massive resistance. The more resistance, the greater the probability is that whatever that thing that you want to pursue is increasingly important to you. So, number nine, the undertaking of any enterprise or endeavor whose aim is to help others. Number 10, any act that entails commitment of the heart, the decision to get married, to have a child, to weather a rocky patch in a relationship. And then 11, the taking of any principled stand in the face of adversity. Yeah, man, any of those things, obviously, are going to be super important to us and are also going to elicit massive resistance. So I think it's important to know that everyone struggles with resistance. Everyone works through it. And so it's not something that is um, personal. He actually even says resistance is not out to get you personally. It doesn't know who you are and doesn't care. 
Resistance is a force of nature, and it acts objectively. Um, there's another one here. Oh, he says the rule of thumb. The more important a call or action is to our soul's evolution, the more resistance we will feel towards pursuing it. That's more or less what I said earlier. Um, we're wrong if we think we're the only ones struggling with, with resistance. Everyone who has a body experiences resistance. Um, there's something around resistance. Um, oh, this is interesting. The resistance only opposes in one direction. So resistance obstructs movement only from a lower sphere to a higher, right? So uh, resistance by definition is self-sabotaging. It's not going to put up any fight. There's never going to be any resistance for you to go from a higher sphere. Let's say like you're working out a lot and being healthy and eating, you know, con consciously to a lower sphere of not working out, eating whatever shit food you want, not taking care of yourself. There's going to be no resistance to that, right? <clears throat> and so uh, I think it's just, just it's, it's, it's interesting to see that resistance oftentimes is directly proportional to love. So if you're feeling massive resistance, the good news is that it means there's tremendous love there as well, right? So if you didn't love this project that is terrifying you, you wouldn't feel anything. If you didn't feel a terrifying you know, resistance to pursuing uh, a conversation with someone, to pursue a project or an entrepreneurial endeavor, then it wouldn't mean anything to you, right? So... I think it's uh, it's pretty interesting as you as you look at that as it relates to the things that we as men are interested in pursuing to improve ourselves to improve our lives. Our biggest foe, our biggest enemy, is going to be resistance, and resistance is only uh, energized from within our own psyche. If something no longer has fear associated to it, we're going to feel much less resistance. So resistance comes as a result of our own fear towards pursuing something. And I think it's important to realize that that is, okay, a big antidote to, <laughs> to fear is to continue to focus on the love and the feeling we'll have once we have accomplished something. Um, there is one in here that has to talk about resistance and healing. Is this it? Um, yeah, this is it. <clears throat> this little section in The War of Art talks about resistance and healing. And... I mean, as we're doing the work, how many times have you heard me say, if you're, if you're a fan of this podcast or my book, you'll hear about me saying, like, you have to heal first before you have a firm foundation, or I should say not before, but so that you can have a firm foundation in which to build. Um, but he, he writes in The War of Art, the concept in all these environments of, like, healing seems to be that one needs to complete his healing before he is ready to do his work. 
So I, when I read this, I was like, hmm, okay, because that's kind of what I've been saying, right? But he says, he goes on to say, this way of thinking is a form of resistance. What are we trying to heal anyways? The athlete knows the day will never come when he wakes up pain-free. He has to play hurt. So remember, the part of us that we imagine needs healing is actually not the part that we create from. That part is far deeper and stronger. Besides, what better way of healing than to find our center of self-sovereignty? Isn't that the whole point of healing? Uh, scroll a little bit further, and, and I highlight some other parts. And he says, what counted was that I had, after years of running from it, and he's talking about some you know, projects and writing books and whatnot, was that he actually sat down and did his work. And then he goes on to say, I've got nothing against true healing. We all need it, but it has nothing to do with doing our work. And it, it, and it can be a colossal exercise in resistance. Resistance loves, quote unquote, healing. Resistance knows that the more psychic energy we expend dredging and redredging the tired, boring injustices of our personal lives, the less juice we have to do our own work. And so when he said that, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And the more I've looked at myself, when I've looked at some of my closer friends, a lot of times we'll have these things that we are called to do, but they're scary. And then I've noticed in others that they will rationalize away the pursuing of some type of goal that would be really exciting, but is super scary in the name of, oh, you know what? I just need to keep focusing on my healing. I just need to keep working, working on, um, you know, getting, getting myself back on my feet, you know, emotionally, if you will. And then I'll go back to pursuing this thing. And I get that. You know, I, I've, I've probably said that to myself too. But the reality is like healing, yes. There, there's always healing that has to be done. But it's not a, you know, progress or heal. I believe it's, a, it's like you can heal and progress simultaneously. And that's more or less what he was saying is like, you know, the place that you create from is actually not a place of fear or scarcity or resistance. It's a place of abundance, a place of wholeness, a, a place of clarity. And so those, er those areas of lack of clarity, those places of uh, fear and scarcity and resistance are actually places of lack, places of... Um, limiting beliefs. And yes, those places need healing, but they really aren't going to stop you from taking action and moving the ball forward. And I, and I would resonate with that too from the standpoint of like, oh, I've been healing well all my life, but I've really been doing a lot of quote unquote the work on myself, really being a lot more introspective for the last 15 years. But that hasn't kept me from creating results or creating uh, a decent amount of forward momentum and consistency in my life, even though there's things that come up every single day. And so I say all these things because I know that for, for many of us, it's very easy, as the book writes, to succumb to um, 
you know, addictions or substance abuse, it's very easy to succumb to even thoughts of, you know, it's a very slippery slope. Like, oh, I'm going to give myself grace. I'm going to be empathetic. I'm going to, you know, just let myself heal. I'm going to back off of this thing. I'm not going to pursue this or that. But then oftentimes, the men that I work with, when they come back around to it, they get so deeply frustrated because then, lo and behold, another three months have cha- you know, passed by. They haven't moved certain things forward, even though they were, quote-unquote, working on their healing. And even more frustration and shame come along with that wasted time. And obviously, time is the, the one asset we can never create more of. And so that's why I do actually recommend, which you know might sound um, contradictory from what I've written in my book, but I think the idea is what I was attempting to, to kind of uh, provide or uh, really shine a light on is that a lot of men jump over the need for healing and they distract themselves with a life of significance and a pursuit of, you know, acquiring things, <laughs> right? Um, so that they can feel significant or feel of worth. And they believe with that, those accomplishments, that that will bring the healing. And it isn't true. And yet, if you were also to go away uh, to Tibet, and uh, find a monastery and find some amazing monk guru to spend time up there for the next 12 months meditating and, um, you know, focusing on oneness. There's nothing wrong with that. And yet, I imagine many men would feel a sense of like, okay, this is good. This is helpful. This is restorative. This is peaceful. This is healing. However, there's also this simultaneous pull on one's heart to accomplish, to achieve, to pursue, to build. And so it doesn't make sense to build and to achieve And to pursue something from a place of lack and scarcity and fear. But I think it's a very powerful thing to be doing those things in tandem, which is more or less what Stephen Pressfield is talking about in uh, the, The War of Art here, is to really lean into, okay, doing the work and being very, very cognizant of the fact that resistance is there to keep you from making any sense of progress in your life. And uh, the interesting thing is, for those of us who are committed and are doers, we're going to feel really good about that. And yet, we have to keep making progress (laughs) with our healing and continuing to to be coachable, humble, self-aware, emotionally intelligent, And to make sure that we keep balancing the two. Because for a lot of us, as we keep moving our goals forward, 
it's interesting how, I mean, Stephen talks about it, the resistance is the most powerful at the finish line. And so he writes, the danger is greatest when the finish line is in sight. At this point, resistance knows we're about to beat it. And so it hits the panic button. It marshals one last assault and slams us with everything it's got. The professional must be alert for this counterattack. Be wary at the end. So that's what he really talks about, the difference between the amateur and the professional. The amateur just kind of like takes things as like, eh, you know, not fully all in, and they're just kind of like kicking tires and just, you know, farting around and, they're willing to kind of settle for mediocre results, whereas the professional obviously is all in. They're committed. And that doesn't mean that they're perfect. That doesn't mean that they've got all their shit figured out. It just means that they are committed to raising the standards of their life. They're no longer willing to tolerate the way that they have been showing up. So I hope you enjoyed this, this episode. I feel like... Um, for me, I oftentimes feel like when I talk about the things that I'm dealing with in my life and put it out into the world, I get a lot of responses from guys being like, oh my God, I'm struggling with that too. And so whether you want to talk about um, tools like the one thing, if you're reading that book or the 12 month year, there's so many different aspects of how to become um, better, if you will, at managing your time getting things done, being productive, project management, yada, yada, yada. And yet the common theme to all of those things that will keep you from, you know, achieving your dream, finishing the project, having an amazing relationship, a marriage, um, doing the things that you need to do to make sure that you have a great relationship with your, with your kids, to have, you know, your physique and your health, your mental health as well, your physical health at a peak level, all those things are going to be impeded by some level of resistance in your life. And so I want you just to start noticing about where resistance uh, shows up in your life. And then not only to take another step forward, to not only to notice where resistance shows up in certain instances. Like I was talking about the example of like, oh, <laughs> am I going to get those chips and a soda, you know, with my Chipotle bowl today? Or am I going to skip it? Am I going to sleep in? Or am I going to get up? Am I going to work out today? Am I going to fart around and look at, you know, YouTube or social media of some kind? Or am I going to stay on task? Or am I going to win? I think at the end of the day, you have to really notice where those things come up. Like I said, not only in your day-to-day -day life, but also like where that energy and where that feeling resides in your body. You know, is it in your throat? Is it in the middle of your chest? Do you feel it more like below your sternum? Do you feel it in your gut? Do you feel it more in your, your loins, your, uh, your peaches? <laughs> What was that? There's that, uh, speaking of YouTube, um, <laughs> where Will Ferrell is, God, what is that show? Um, and that outtake is just hilarious. He's like, feel it deep down in your loins. Uh, oh, he talks about your plums. Anyways, 
Go look that up. Will, just, just type into YouTube, Will Ferrell Plums, and you'll thank me later. So anyways, on that note, um, <laughs> thanks for joining me. Hope this has been uh, insightful. Hope you got some good things out of it. And like I said, I hope you really do look at when and where resistance shows up so that you can be even more keen on how to overcome it, which is to, to really understand that it's just, it's just fueled by your own, your own fear. And the way that we work through that is to pursue things that are meaningful even in the face of fear. And as we do that, the fear will reside. Will re- reside? Will resign, just to make sure <laughs> you heard me correctly. Will resign, yeah? Cool, brother. Well, thank you for joining me. We'll catch up with you on the next episode of the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm Johnny King. Talk soon. That's it for this one, and I want to thank you for listening. Hey, if you got some good ideas from this episode and you want more, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast. And if you think others may benefit from it also, share it on social media and tag me in your post so I can say hey. It would also mean a lot to me if you felt inclined to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts since I read every single one of them. And if you've got any questions or topics that you'd like to recommend or really just anything that you think I could improve upon, man, I thrive on constructive feedback. So hit me up with an email at podcast at johnnyking.com. Oh, and feel free to also subscribe to my YouTube channel, connect with me on LinkedIn, and follow me on Instagram at Johnny King and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Johnny King Men's Coach. Thanks again for joining me. I'll catch you next time.